Welcome to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast, where we talk about how you and your organization can take your next step in your leadership journey. Let's get to it. Hey, welcome to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast, where we really do believe, listen, your church can grow, your church should grow, and your personal growth as a leader really does make a difference. This week, I am back with my co-host, Logan, who who is freshly off her alien abduction. (laughs) I was in the room when you mentioned I was abducted by aliens. You have no no tangible proof, so (laughs) how's it going? Neither do they that they don't exist. But I'm doing really good. Are you Are you doing really good? Very good. What exciting is going on in your life, Logan? Our podcast listeners want to know. Well, what's exciting going on in my life? Let's see. I'm going to learn how to make cheesecake. Oh. Yeah. I'm who? not a baker. Okay. So I'm trying to expand my knowledge. Okay. Into how baking. are you going to, like, who's teaching you? Is my nana. So you know nana? it's going to be good. That's uh, my grandma. If, if mm-hmm. In the South, if you have a nana... And she's teaching you how to cook anything. That's right. It's going to be amazing. That is right. That is awesome. That's awesome. Today, we're going to talk about one of the greatest temptations that leaders face. Cheesecake. Cheesecake. Yes. No, the temptation of compromise. Oh, yeah. Specifically, the tendency leaders have to compromise the vision that they know God has placed inside of them. So, Perry, I'm curious, where did this particular podcast topic come from? Well, it came through. So one of the things I love to do about once or twice a year is just read through the first five books of the Bible, Um, specifically to study Moses, because I think Moses is one of the greatest leaders. Okay, other than Jesus, I think he's the greatest leader in the Bible. Um, and just the past two or three times I've read through, I've noticed the temptation that Moses battled with in regards to compromise and especially in his early days. And just a side note, if you're in your earliest days as a church leader, that's where the biggest temptation to compromise comes from. Now, before we talk about compromise We've actually got to dial back to something called calling. But how would you define a calling? Well, a calling is a calling is something you know that God has specifically put in your heart to do. It's specific. It's not abstract. It's not like go reach people. It's like go reach these people in this part of the world, and this is how you're supposed to do it. And, and it's something that no matter how hard you try, you just can't shake it. So just so everyone's on the same page, because we have pastors, atheists, everyone in between listening every week, what was Moses's calling? Well, it's it's really clear. That's the cool thing about studying Moses in this particular concept, context. His calling was to lead Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. And God made the calling crystal clear. If you read through Exodus chapter 3 and chapter 4, um, I don't have time to go go into the specifics of this. This might be another podcast for another, t- another time. But um, Mo- Moses, God confirmed Moses' calling four times. Four times Moses was like, I think you got the wrong guy. And God was like, no, shut up. Um, I don't have, God didn't actually say shut up. He might have, I don't know. It might be in the Hebrew. Um and, and now here's where the, what's awesome. Pursuing our calling 
isn't necessarily easy. I mean, we're going to face resistance, and Moses faced resistance um, in his calling from Pharaoh, even from the people he was trying to set free. But a calling is something that God will continually confirm in us. Because, like, for example, God called him to set the children of Israel free in Exodus 3, Exodus 4. In Exodus 6, verses 10 and 11, the Bible says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go out of this country. He's always coming back to the calling. So you said we needed to dial it back to our calling before we could identify where we're compromising. And I think we have a good grasp on that. So how does compromise fit into all of this? So real interesting. This this fascinated me when I first discovered it because I'd never really heard anyone talk about it. So Moses was clear on the calling, but Pharaoh, hey, Pharaoh's known for always saying no. And, you know, God hardened Pharaoh's heart or whatever. Um, but Pharaoh kept trying to get Moses to water down the calling, to dilute what he knew that God had called him to do. Let me just share the three examples that I saw um, in Scripture that are so clear. So God told Moses, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. I mean, it, it's you don't get any more simple. I mean, that fits on a T-shirt. It's very simple, tweetable. very straightforward. Tweetable. It's tweetable. Old Twitter, not new Twitter. 140 characters. So... In Exodus 8, verses 25 through 27, the the Bible says this, Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God here in the land. So, hey, Moses, I'm all about the people sacrificing to God, but I don't want you to go where you said you needed to go. You need to do it here. And verse 26, but Moses said, that would not be right. I love that, just straight up. The sacrifices we offer the Lord our God would be detestable to the Egyptians. And if we offer sacrifices that are detestable in their eyes, will they not stone us? We must take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God as he commanded us. So in other words, Moses wasn't like, well, okay, okay, that's good. I give a little, you give a little, we'll just, we'll just sacrifice here. Now the second time, the second time is um, two chapters later in chapter 10, verse 8. Then the Bible says, verse 8, Then Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. Go worship the Lord your God, he said. And at first, that's like, yes, we've won the lottery. But then the next sentence says, but tell me who will be going. Moses answered, we will go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters and with our flocks and with our herds, because we are to celebrate a festival to the Lord. So Moses said, everybody up in here. Like, we all, we all going. But verse 10, Pharaoh said, The Lord be with you. If I let you go along with your women and children, clearly you are bent on evil. No. And there's an exclamation point after the no. Have only the men go and worship the Lord. Since that's what you've been asking, then Moses and Aaron were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. So the first compromise was, okay, offer the sacrifices here. The second compromise was, okay, okay, you can go, but only the men can go. You got to leave the women and children behind, which is not the calling that God put on Moses' heart. So he didn't compromise. He was like, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. Then there's a third time in, in the same chapter, chapter 10, verses 24 through 26. And this is in the middle of all kind of plagues. You got frogs and locusts and boils and darkness. And I mean, it's just crazy in Egypt. Um, verse 24 says, then Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, go worship the Lord. Even your women and children may go with you. Only leave your flocks and herds behind. Now, at this point, 
I gotta be honest. If I'm Moses, I'm like, dear God. I mean, it's, I mean, we can, we could find a snake out there or something in sacrifice. I mean, it, it sounds like a good deal. But Moses was strong in his calling. So in verse 25, the Bible, the Bible says, but Moses said, you must allow us. Don't you just love that? He's telling the most powerful man in the world, you must allow us to have sacrifices and burnt offerings to present to the Lord our God. Our livestock, too, must go with us. Not a hoof is to be left behind. Talk about calling. We have to use some of them in worshiping the Lord our God. Until we get there, we will not know what we're supposed to worship God with. So all through this process, and I just we went through three examples, it would have been so easy for Moses to just back off and settle but he couldn't do it because he knew what he was called to do. So in today's context, what do you think the main temptation in regards to compromise is when it comes to leaders? I think there's three main ones, and I think the first of the three is convenience. What do you mean by convenience? Well, the reason leadership feels hard is because it is hard. I'll say that again. The reason leadership feels hard is because it is hard. It is difficult to be a leader. Um, and oftentimes, as leaders, we all get tired. Everybody knows what, it, what it's like to get tired because there's so much to be done. And what I've discovered in personal experience and working with church leaders now for over 25 years, oftentimes when we get tired, we make the easy decision rather than the right decision because we just want... To, we just want something to go away. And it's a major problem because if we compromise just a little, it can turn into a big deal. Like if we're one degree off of something, if we're one degree off, um, 15 feet, one degree off doesn't make that much of a difference. But if we travel um, 25 miles one degree off, then we're in different states. So that's why you got to be so, so serious about not... I'll, when you get tired, th- th- this is my rule. This is my rule. When I get tired, I won't make a decision. Give me 24 hours. Let me get some rest. So we're real on this podcast. So I'm about to ask a personal question. Is mm-hmm. there a time you feel like you compromised your vision? Oh, my God. Yes. I remember during the early days when I was pastoring um, my former church, we were, like in a, we were like a year and a half in. And this guy came to me who wanted to do a Bible study. Now, I'm all about Bible studies. I love, I think Bible studies are great. Um, We had had some women going through like a Beth Moore Bible study, and that was great. I think Beth Moore is one of the greatest Bible teachers in the world, by the way. Um, Actually, I'll go ahead and call her a preacher because she preaches. She don't teach. The the woman just, she just brings it. Preach, Perry, preach. If you don't like that, listen to Holly's podcast from last week. (laughs) Um, And so we had several Bible studies. But this guy wanted to do a, what he called a creation Bible study. And he was a very, very big believer in a literal six-day creation. I want to pause real quick and say, I don't know how God created the world. The Bible's not a science book. It's a history book. It doesn't answer how it happened. It answered who did it. Um, and when I say that, I don't know. Did, I, could God have created the world in six days? Absolutely. And if he did, praise the Lord. What an incredible work of just art and just, just beautiful. Could God have taken six billion years to create the world? Yes. And if he did, praise God. I don't care which side of the argument you're on. I'm your friend. Um, but the guy that wanted to, to teach this particular Bible study, he was like a, um, 
He was an angry creationist. I don't know if you know if you ever met them. Like if you got to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave um, and six day creation to go to heaven. I mean, it's I mean, I mean, I'm not exaggerating. And so I felt like I shouldn't let this particular Bible study happen in the church. But he caught me as I was leaving. I was tired. I'd preached like 78 times that weekend. And I was like, yes, you can do it. And what it wound up doing is creating a certain segment in our church that became more passionate about people believing in a six-day creation than they were about people meeting Jesus. And that my, our calling was to absolutely do whatever it took to introduce uh, Jesus to people that were far from God. So that's just, that's just one example that immediately popped in my mind. So if convenience is the first, then what do you think the second temptation is? I think the second one is this thing called consensus. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, okay, so I hate to fight. I really do. I mean, I want for everybody in the... Don't look at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was the most judgmental look you've ever. If y'all I'm glad this just is see, podcast and not video. No, no, but seriously, I don't. I don't love to fight. I want. Okay, okay, okay. True or not true? I'm putting you on the spot right now. All right. I want everybody to be happy. That is true. Yeah. Right. I want everybody. But to be you're not the, afraid to whoop some. Um, I'll say what I need to say sometimes, but at the end of the day, I don't like it. I want everybody in the room to be happy, and I want people. Um, to approve. Oh, by the way, when we need everybody's approval, we really do get in trouble. But that's a whole nother podcast for a whole nother time. Um, but consensus is oftentimes it's just easy to give in where people are like, what if we did this? Or what if we did this? What if we did this? And it dilutes the vision. Um, because when we, when we, when our biggest desire is to build consensus around our idea, that's not a calling. That's just trying to keep everybody in the room happy. Um, and, and when it comes to calling, when it comes to calling, compromise does not equal unity. It equals dysfunction. So does this mean a leader should not listen to those that they have around them? Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. No, there's got, when, when a leader walks into the room and says, listen, this is what I feel like the Lord has called us to do as a church or as a department— I believe there should be a discussion around that. I believe people can make ideas better. I believe people can add value to the ideas. And the best way to, to get people to, to um, buy into the vision is to give them way in on the vision. However, the compromise, the, the calling can be compromised. So let's say, let's say, okay, this God wouldn't call me to do this. I wish he would. But let's say the calling is to go to Disney World in uh, the first week in October for a five-day vacation. That would be that would be awesome. I, I would I would love to do that. And so so it's like, hey, this is where we're go, supposed to go. These are the dates, and this is what we're supposed to do. And it many times, if you take that through a committee, it'll be like we're going to take a vacation somewhere next year in the United States. No, it it's the same idea. But it's not the same calling. And I think when we walk out of a room and we've compromised the calling for the sake of the idea that everybody can buy into, we're on pretty dangerous ground. 
So we have consensus, convenience. What is the third temptation of compromise? The third one, of course, starts with a C, and that's due to my Baptist roots. We alliterate or everything just about. The third is condemnation. Um, And here's how you know something is from God. Here's how you know you've got a calling from God. Everybody is not happy. If everybody is, listen, if, if Satan isn't opposing you, it means you and him are walking in the same direction. Mm. So, so that's how you know that the calling is from God is because everybody doesn't get excited about it. And if we're going to lead through that, we've got to be okay with condemnation being heaped on us. So why can't we just tell leaders, just get over it when it comes to criticism? Because it freaking hurts. Um, that's the thing um, that leaders say publicly, and I've said this publicly, I don't care what people say about me, and it's not true. We, we do care. Um, there's emotional pain that, that comes along with it. I know a lot of church leaders that deal with stress and anxiety, and you can trace it back to criticism. And it's, listen, this isn't just mega church pastors. I know pastors of um, churches that have 50 people, 75 people, 100 people, and they, they, they're carrying anxiety and worry, and it's as, it's as real to them as it is to the, to the person that has multiple campuses and thousands of people just lost in their parking lot every week. Um, there's spiritual pain. I mean, you really do hurt spiritually. Um, Criticism, oh my God, criticism causes us to question our calling than just about anything else. So I'm real big about letting people speak into your life, but somebody much wiser than me told me years ago, when it comes to somebody speaking in your life, opinions should be weighed, not counted. Opinions should be weighed. So if you've got a friend that you trust that is speaking, speaking into you, you should listen to them. But if Bible Boy 182 on Twitter has something to say, I mean, screw him. He can't even, if you can't use your real name on social media, I don't care what you have to say. That You got to almost kind of develop that kind of mentality. And, and when, somebody told me this one time too, and it's true. If you're going to call the shots, you got to take the shots. I got to ask. Everyone's wondering, what's a personal example for this one? Oh, I mean, well, I'll just, I'll just tell you, it's, um, it's recent. Uh, I saw an article um, when I launched Second Chance Church, and it was like, is it too soon for Perry Noble to be back in ministry? And there were... Um, there was some chatter online for a while and you know, it's kind of like porn. You shouldn't look at it, but you look at it anyway and it destroys your soul. And so I'm, I'm reading all this stuff about how, um, I have not repented. Um, by the way, written by people that had never had a conversation with me. I still don't know how you determine repentance without a relationship, but Hey, that's another podcast for another time. Um, Perry shouldn't do this. Perry's, you know, disqualified. He's, he's this. And the reason I started Second Chance Church wasn't because I was trying to enter into a competition. And it wasn't because I was trying to prove a point. In fact, when I was in rehab, and uh, we've talked about this in the office, I had to 
I had to decide whether or not I even believed in the church anymore. I had no problem with Jesus, but I had to figure out whether or not I believed in the church. And the, the reason I started the church um, was because I knew God called me to do it. Like, like, why would I do this again unless I was called? And it's not, I mean, I could, I could make a lot more money and have a lot less people concerned about my life if I wasn't planting a church. But God continually confirmed the calling. And he did it through two things. I was sitting around thinking one day about my mother. Um, and my mom died when she was 49. And I remember at the time, because I was 11, everybody's like, oh, your mom's so young. And I remember when you're 11, 49's not young. 49's old. And you're like, I was like, no, she was old. I, didn't, I mean, I didn't say it out loud. But I was thinking that the whole time. But you know what, Logan? I'm, I'm 46, and 49's young. It's amazing how your perspective changes. And so this was the thought. And I told somebody this, and they're like, you can't, you're, you're so morbid. I'm like, I'm not thinking morbid. But I thought, you know what? What if I got three years left? I hate this conversation. Already. I know, but but like, okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna live forever or, or whatever. But like, what if I got three? Because I'll guarantee you, my mom when she was 46 wasn't planning on an exit strategy when she was 49. And so I was like, what if I am not going to waste three years of my life trying to win the approval of people that never liked me in the first place? And then the second thing. Um, as I'm thinking about that, and I'm kind of, I kind of read through the Psalms a little bit every day. I came upon Psalm 90, verse 12, where the author writes, and, it is, and I believe it's Moses writes, "Teach us to number our days, so that we may gain a heart of wisdom." And I'm like, you know what? My days are numbered. My days are numbered. And if my days are going to be numbered, my days are going to be numbered by me pursuing my calling despite what people that do not know me think about me. That's the most recent and raw example. So, you know, we can't end on that. How can a leader stand strong without compromise? Well, it, you know, I've said this, if I get a nickel for every time I said this word, we'd all be rich. It, it goes back to calling and the calling has to be crystal clear. And once again, this has to be more than just a good idea that a leader has while he's taking a shower, a calling is something that is reaffirmed over and over again by the Lord, and it becomes so white hot that they feel like they're going to explode if they don't do this. And and it doesn't change from week to week. It, it's not like an entrepreneurial seizure where it's like, okay, we're going to do this, and now we're going to do this, and now we're going to do this, and now we're going to do this, because that's like that's like leadership ADD. Um, it's it's constant and you go back to it over and over again because sometimes your calling is the only thing that will sustain you through a rough patch any closing thoughts before we end this week's podcast p i've enjoyed this one i would just say to the leader out there who is really questioning the calling um that this is the thing that i have to do over and over again just ask the lord to clarify god i need some clarity on this calling. I need some clarity on this particular staff hire. I need some clarity on this department move. I need some clarity on this um, series or this vision shift. I need some clarity because God will give us clarity on the calling. And when we get clarity on the calling, 
as the leader, we can move forward in confidence. And by the way, by the way, that's one of the reasons we exist here at The Growth Company. If you are a leader and you want to come in for a one-day on-site or you want to bring your team in, that's one of the things we do is we help churches um, clarify the calling. And then I remember the, the last church we served, we planned out a whole year of sermon series and walked through it. And it wasn't me telling them what to do. It was something that we we pulled out of the pastors. And, yeah, it was collective, mm-hmm. but it was out of the pastor's heart. And that group of people left so fired up. And I know they're going to go do great things. So if we can help you in any way as a church, um, I want my church to grow.com is our website. You can click on uh, the upper right hand button, schedule a call. And we would love to spend a day or two with you, with your team, thinking, planning, praying, brainstorming, and, and eating some really good food. So. I'll bring my cheesecake. Logan will bring her cheesecake. There, there you go. There you go. The next person that books, Logan's cooking you cheesecake. That's it for today on the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast, where we really do believe your church can grow, should grow, and your personal growth as a leader is the biggest difference maker. Thank you for listening to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. We hope you had a blast spending time with us. For more thoughts on leadership, visit Perry's blog at perrynoble.com.